Hi, this is Steve from Retroman Blog, and welcome to my latest edition of Retrosonic Podcast. Um, it's like a little series I've been doing called Lockdown Lowdown, where I invite some of my well, my music-related pals to come in and tell us what they've been up to. And uh, it's like a little Desert Island Discs, um, you know, chat about their favourite records, influences, and uh, what they've been up to. And uh, I'm pleased to welcome DJ Jawa Jones. Hi, thank Jawa, you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, Steve. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's such a pleasure to, um, to and an honor, really, to be included in your wonderful podcast series. So oh. I really appreciate it. I'm very grateful. Thank you. So we first met um, at Hipsville, that fantastic garage psych weekender down in Margate, our favorite um, yearly musical event in the Retroman blog calendar, which has sadly been decimated this year because of the obvious reasons of COVID-19. Um, and one thing I really love about Hipsville and the regular club like Weirdsville is that they so they do champion a lot of female fronted bands or all girl bands and DJs and dancers and um, which is what we do at Retro Sonic Podcast as well. You know, a lot of the bands that we've seen over the years at Weirdsville and Hipsville, like Oh Gunquit, the Jackets and the Corettes and the Jack Cades, the Girl Fridays. You know, they're all they're all either all girl or they've got a great a strong female presence. And um, when I found out that you were a, a DJ after we, I said we chatted at Hipsville and I was looking into what you were doing. Um, it's what you specialise in, isn't it, with your Juanita music? You know, it's, uh, tell us a little bit more about the, the concept behind it. Sure, Steve. Thank you. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, it came about in 2000, early 2018 when I was living in Munich. Um, I was uh, very fortunate to be invited by one of the, uh, the owners of this really great dive bar um, around the corner where I lived with my ex. And she's like, you know, I want more women to DJ at this bar. And I was like, great, I'm up for it. And she was like, go on then, you know. And so she gave me a night where I was like, you know, I could do whatever I wanted. And during that time, I was listening to um, DJ Honey's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang show where she was, um, you know, playing a lot of female records. And I just got inspired from it. And I was like, well, okay, if she can play these great records, I can do the same too. And and that's when I took the leap of... Um, you know, doing my own night. Um, and then I was thinking about the concept and I was like, well, I know that it's important for, for me to promote women, female music, as well as, you know, um, female DJs, because what I saw during that time and also many years when I was living in London and going out a lot was the fact that there was a lot of um, great DJs in the scene, but a lot of them, most of them, in fact, were men. So I thought, surely there's women who are just as interested in music you know, and can play really great records and, and also can run a night. So that's really where the idea came from and, you know, was brewing in my head. And then I thought of the name Juanita, which means you know, woman in Indonesian, and I'm half Indonesian, so I was like, perfect. And um, and the, the whole point of Juanita for me was, and it still is, to promote women in music and offer them a platform to, you know, play music that they love. And um, and what we offer is particular, quite niche, um, and then there's a reason for that. I wanted to play female records, DJ, female DJs playing female records from the 50s to the late 80s, all on vinyl. Mm. And it's to encourage people as DJs as well as the listeners to kind of find out more about 
Um, there's female DJs out there that are also cool, but also the music from different genres during that time and get them to dig and also learn. Um, so we're all, it's like a win-win situation. We're all kind of learning and, you know, together. Yeah. And yeah, so that's how it was born in um, Munich and I, and it's been uh, received really well. And I got my female, you know, um, DJs, friends to um, come along and DJ on the night. And then I moved to London last year in 2019, early 2019. And I carried on the night in London there. And it's yeah. been really good, actually. I've been I've received a lot of uh, lovely feedback from various different people. Is, is this a regular club night you were doing? Um, I've, to be honest, I started it late last year, I think yeah. October or November. And then I had a couple two or three nights and then obviously the pandemic uh, happened um, this year um, and then because of that um, I couldn't really run the night anymore and um, what was what happened then because I still wanted to kind of carry on the idea of Juanita but obviously with the not being able to be able to DJ at a club I the idea of opening up uh, sorry, creating a Mixcloud account, um, a Juanita Music Mixcloud account basically happened where I could carry on inviting female DJs from across the world yeah. to create um, mixes of their favorite female fronted records. Yeah. And it's been, and that's been really great too. A lot of, um, I've met loads of lovely female DJs from like Sao Paulo to Toronto to uh, Bogota and Colombia made yeah. really lovely female DJ collectives as well. So it's been really great to not only listen to their amazing music, mm -hmm. music I've never really you know, listened to, like garage bands from Sao Paulo and um, some amazing disco tunes from you know, Brazil and um, and also, you know, Cumbia. And it's, so it's great. It's been it's been really good. Yeah, I was intrigued by looking at the, the Mixcloud page at your episodes about how many different countries you, you've managed to sort of get these contacts and DJs from, you know, and you've given them a platform to air their own music. And it's, it's a really eclectic mix, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's well worth checking out. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, we, even though we're niche because it's only female records, but I wanted to keep the genres open because I think, you know, like you and I, we liked a variety of different types of music. We're not just sort of like 60s garage rock or it's good to listen. You know, sometimes I have moments where I'm like I'm gonna to listen to cumbia today or and then the next you know tomorrow could be like post-punk from the 80s so yeah. it's good to have a variety to oh, another, <laughs> yeah I know you're right and um another reason why I wanted to sort of invite you in was uh I, I was um planning my own special episode dedicated to sort of all my favorite all girl or female fronted bands you know and just as I was working through the playlist you know I know you did this fantastic show um which was like about two hours Thank plus you. of like all girl music and it was sort of all different genres but mainly sort of like garage punk and yeah yeah and a lot of great post-punk bands you know which uh, sort of seen after punk in sort of the, the sort of late 70s it did give rise to a lot of really creative female bands and artists didn't it and your the show was great and I thought you know what I ripped up my playlist I just sort of went <laughs> I thought I can't better that, you know. And no, I just thought, you're well, very kind. <laughs> let's let, let's get you in and, and talk about it. But um, I think that was a great show, you know. And I think you you can still get your catalogue um, on Mixcloud, can you? Mm -hmm. All the episodes are available there, aren't they? Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's on my um, Mixcloud. I've got my own Mixcloud for my. Um, well, I've got two accounts. I've got the Juanita Music, so it's Mixcloud.com or Juanita Music, and I also have my own sort of DJ Java Jones Mixcloud account. So. On both, you can find the um, mixes I've made, uh, the shows or I've made for Monoloco Mixtape and Soho Radio, which is where you heard um, 
the mix I did, of, which is like post-punk in um, yeah. 70s rock. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely well worth checking out. And of course, I'll, I'll put all the links up on Retroman Blogged um, with the corresponding feature that goes along with the podcast. So I recommend people checking out uh, Juanita Music and Mono Loco Mixtape on Mixcloud and obviously your regular Soho Radio show as well. So Yeah, I'm actually um, been invited to do, another, to, to do a show at another station called Barrel House radio and it's a new digital radio that will be i believe um launching at the end of this month uh, at the end of november mm-hmm. and so i'm i will be doing my um an, an hour show once every couple of weeks um and it will be dedicated to Juanita. so Excellent. yeah i'll um I'll, I'll give you the link once that's launched great well, we look forward to that and of course we'll be sure to to share it around Let's go back to the very beginning and Let, let's find out what uh, what got you started on this musical journey. And uh, so tell us about your earliest musical memory. You know, the first time that you really, uh, you know, a song sort of stuck out or something that happened that you really went, wow, what's this great? You know, what's this song? Or can you remember that? I wish I could be cool and say my family, my, you know, dad and mom were like super cool into music, been recording records, you know, all their lives kind of thing. But it wasn't quite the case. Although my dad was back when he was a teenager in High Wycombe, was really into rock and roll and was a massive fan of, you know, Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley. And he used to buy records um, from America and would like listen to them. And, you know, and then he, this is before he traveled to uh, sort of Southeast Asia and, and Europe. So He's always been into music, but he didn't really, wasn't really collecting the records when he was in Indonesia, in Jakarta. So I was born in Jakarta and I, I lived there until I was 18. But my fun, my fun, well, I wouldn't call it fun memories, but it's quite a funny memory because my dad's a massive fan of Pink Floyd, massive fan of Pink Floyd. And I just remember being a kid being woken up in the middle of the night on a school night because he'd come home from work after he's had a few beers and then he would just blast it super loud you know and like it just it this carried on until I was in my early teens before I started going out and I was just like dad can you just turn it down like I'm going trying to go to sleep and he's like oh my god this is the most amazing song you should have been there I was like you know in Japan when I saw them and I'm like all right dad just like turn it down so it was really funny I was being quite you know um and yeah and then he would play all sorts of music in super loud like Santana Eagles um Queen so yeah all of that but Pink Floyd was on the constant and you've picked um a couple of tracks here so you've gone for one track by Pink Floyd which um Probably a lot of people in our scene would have thought, "Oh, great, you know, Sid Barrett and and, mm. and, that, and that early era." But you've you've picked one from yeah. sort of 1987, you know, from the album "A Momentary Lapse of Reason," which is probably not their, <laughs> their <laughs> coolest of. Uh, of I know it's so funny because when I say this to my boyfriend, he's like, "Really? Oh, really? It's it's like that's post Sid Barrett, like." Why? And I'm like, well, that's as I spoke to my dad uh, about this before we we did this call, and I said, Dad, what was the particular album they kept playing when I was growing up? Okay, why do you like it so much? It's like, well, it's just the lyrics, the Dogs of War. You know, it was like profound for him. It was profound lyrics. So yeah. And then you also picked another another interesting track um, from Santana, 
um, Black mm-hmm. Magic Woman. This is from their from their second album, Abraxas. And they're a good band. They, they don't get a lot of good press, really, I think, amongst the sort of the, the cool indie fraternity. But, you know, they are, I think a lot of people think they're sort of a bit of a prog rock band. But they've always got this fantastic bit of Latin groove about them, haven't they? And um, they're, they're a good band. And I, I think you picked a good track here, Black Magic Woman. Uh, is this the classic, is this yeah. one of your dad's... Dad's favorite? It was also my favorite, actually. Um, Dad just played the old, entire album on repeat, and um, and all, my mom got into it as well. And um, and that's the thing with it, a lot of Indonesians. I would hear it everywhere a lot, you know, during sort of growing up in, in Jakarta in different bars. Um, they just love that particular album, and um, I and I, I love it too, much more than I'm afraid to say the, the the Pink Floyd album that my dad loves. But I wanted to dedicate the Pink Floyd song "Dogs of War" for my dad. Well, let's have a little medley then. Let's hear, um, let's hear Santana and the Black Magic Woman. And first of all, let's hear this for your dad: "Dogs of War" by Pink Floyd. Don't turn your back on me, baby. 
that's a fun thing about this isn't it because if 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 you i mean like doing the blog and everything you know that i'm like most music fans are the same is that if they're really honest about it a lot of the early music they liked was not cool at all you know i mean i'd love to say i saw the sex pistols at the hundred club but i didn't i was too too young you know i was watching the anti-nowhere league and bands like and the exploited <laughs> and bands like that you know? and the the songs you grow up with they're often like i remember m pop music or Oh, Laurie by the Alessi brothers. You know, it's bloody awful. <laughs> but actually, they're really evocative to me, to me you know. And, and that, that's what I wanted to try and get across. It's interesting to, to get these sort of um, memories, you know, because it does sort Absolutely. of... Absolutely, yeah. I think, it's, I think it's really important. For me, I've always been... I try to be honest all the time, and it's, you know, like, I can act cool and be like, oh, this is what I think people want to hear. Um, because, so I'm going to just tell them, like, I've been collecting records for 30 years. But I haven't. I can't, you know. Yeah, I wish I, I, wish I did, because then I'd have an amazing collection of records. <laughs> but yeah. Well, let's, while we're on the subject, let's um, tell, tell me what was the first record you bought with your, your own money, you know, your own pocket money? What was it? <laughs> oh, dear. Um, carrying on to the bad taste of music. <laughs> um, it, well, I, uh, I, again, I'm not going to lie. I bought with my pocket money, um, it was a tape, because, you know, this was sort of, 90s early like night I think yeah it was 1990 I was 11 and I remember I bought uh the Simpsons sings the blues <laughs> okay, yeah. it was it was you know it I because I loved the Simpsons then I was you know um a kid and I just remember listening to do the Bartman and deep deep trouble and I was like oh, I have to buy this tape and yeah that was my first my first tape sadly <laughs> Well, I, I tell you, I was I was going to play it, you know. Yeah, don't. <laughs> I, I won't play it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't I want you. Gonna... I don't want you to lis- uh, lose listeners from this particular show because you're playing The Simpsons. <laughs> okay, well, that, I was going to be a bit naughty and play it, but I, I, I won't. Yeah, The Simpsons. Let's let's just think of The Simpsons, a great <laughs> TV show. You know, not for the music. So, I mean, you mentioned you were born in Jakarta, Indonesia. So in Jakarta, were you, growing up, were you exposed to, I know obviously from your, your dad, you were listening to sort of Western music, but generally, you know, socially and that, were you exposed to mainly Western music there or did you, mm-hmm. did, a, did a lot of indigenous music creep in or were there any sort of local bands that you liked or local musicians? Well, um, interestingly, my mom was never really into music, so I didn't hear anything from her side. Um, it was mainly for my dad and my friends. And um, I went to an international school. Um, well, I went to an Indian international school first, and then I went to an inter- British international school. So I was very fortunate in being able to, you know, be exposed to different things through that way. But um, it was predominantly, it was just mainly Western music. Because back then, um, and still a bit now, well, still now in Indonesia, a lot of people 
kind of like Japan with the American culture. A lot of Indonesians look at the West as like the best, you know, they're like much, they always look at the West as inspiration to be better than them and what they aspire to. So a lot of the music that I listened to growing up was all Western music. Mm. And, um, and also I, this is the 90s, I grew up, um, MTV was on a lot of the time. So a lot of the music from America and from, you know, uh, mainly from America and, and some Australian, you know, UK came on the screen. So, yeah. yeah. And what sort of things were you listening to over there and what sort of music were you exposed to growing up? Um, gosh, all sorts. But I was really, I got into music properly when I was a teenager and that was when the grunge scene was, you know, quite prevalent in the 90s. Well, my friends got into Pearl Jam and um, Stone Temple Pilots, but I... I started listening to L7. Um, I remember the Bricks Are Heavy album came out and that just blew my mind. And it's still, that album still is my favorite album. It was amazing because it was like punk, well, it's a rock band, but it's like quite a punky feel from what I usually listen to. Um, And I just love the lyrics and I love, that was my first kind of like exposure to feminist, you know, being feminist and like girl power in a sense. Cause I was just like, these girls, these women, they're like badasses. They don't care. They're like singing all sorts of things that, and I was just like, it was, a, it, it really made an impact on my life. Uh, well, on my, my, you know, sort of the way I sort of see things then when I was 13, 14. Yeah. So it sort of sparked off your interest again, going on to all girl bands and, it's that, that I mean that because that, they they were a pretty great band, weren't they? I mean, visually they were they were sort of stunning. They were a great live act, you know. Mm. They were aggressive. They were. I mean, I mean, I saw them play at the a couple of times, but I think the most memorable time was at the Reading Festival. Anyway. Yes, the famous Reading Festival. The famous the tampon throwing incident. You yeah. Know? I mean, that was like you you going like what what are they <laughs> what are they doing? You know, it was amazing, and they 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 didn't sort of um, shirk you know anything, did they? They were sort of um, in your face as a band. You know, yeah. and, and they were playing it, and they were just playing this sort of fantastic, aggressive music. You know, I don't know if you've seen their documentary that came out uh, a few years ago. Um, mm. I can't remember what it's called, but they talk about that Reading gig, and mm. the reason why that happened is because um, that was a particularly unfortunate incident because they they didn't do the sound check properly. And the sound was just really bad and it was affecting their performance and they were all really quite stressed. And then people started throwing, the crowd was throwing like mud on stage and like bottles and stuff. So she was like, I think it was Donald Sparks. I can't remember if it was Donald Sparks, but you know, one of the members was like, well, fuck this, you know, screw you guys. I'm going to like, I'm going to get back to you. And then she just pulled out her, um, yeah. pulled out a tampon out of her and then threw it back onto the people. And I think, yeah, that's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was I was there. I just was going that, that yeah. And they were they were getting a lot of stick from the crowd, you know. Yeah, that's it right. Was, that's it, right. It was on the day when Nirvana played, and I think it was a lot of rock bands, you know, and uh, sort of grungy bands, and uh, and they 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 were they're fantastic. And I mean, Jennifer Finch, I'm a I'm a bass player, and I, I mean, she's yeah, she's fantastic bass player. I, I you know always loved she's amazing. her. Yeah. And it's a good album, you're right. It was, it was, um, it's a great sounding record, isn't it? It's, it's, it's mm. bricks are heavy. It's, it's a really well produced record. And, and, um, give us a track from, from the album then. Give us a. Oh, a, it was really hard to pick because I love integrity. I love, um, you know, shitless, wargasm, and obviously the famous one, pretend we're dead. But I would, I don't know, it's, it's a toss. My two favorites is a toss between wargasm and shitless. 
um, you know, shirtless is perfect for that teenage angst. You know, you're you know, yeah. 13, 14, you're like, you know, I remember I made this mixtape and it was all men are bastards and it was predominantly like seven-year bitch, <laughs> L7, um, bikini kill. And it was just like, yeah, screw men. You know, this is the time when I was like liking guys, but, I, you know, being like puppy love and not being, uh, it's all sorts. But yeah, it was perfect music for like teenage angst. Yeah, but it's still great. I mean... Mm. I mean, shit list even now. I mean, I'm in my 50s. I put it on and it's just fantastic. And I've still got a shit list myself, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our shit list. So, yeah. You never grow out of that. So, let, well, let's play that one then. Let's, let's play L7 and, and shit list. I love it. I mean, it is so, it's so great, isn't it? I mean, I'd love to have heard that as, a, like I said, I'd, like you as a teenager, I'd love to have heard that. I mean, I would have, I mean, I liked them even then, you know, when I was probably in mm. my thirties or whatever, but I mean, I, I would have really fell for them if I was a teenager, you know, they were just. Uh, Honestly, yeah. when I was, um, so I didn't get a chance to see them in Reading because I was in Indonesia when that, when that happened in the nineties. Um, but they, when I heard that they were, they formed again after, you know, after being disbanded, I was like, oh my God, I have to see them because I've never seen them before. This is like my favorite band. And I remember, um, which I've never done this before, because I missed out on the tickets in London. I missed out. I couldn't buy their, their tickets. So I thought, I'm just going to, and they were doing two shows in New York. And I just went, <laughs> sod it. I'm just going to, and then I could buy it. It was still available. So I was like, I just bought, the, they were playing in Manhattan and then they played at Brooklyn um, in Williamsburg and I just literally I bought both tickets and then I bought a flight and I went there to see them and it was amazing I can't even explain it was like the to see my favorite band when I was a teenager yeah. twice and two shows were two different shows it was great yeah. I mean some bands are worth traveling for aren't they and it always makes it more special you know 
And um, another band that you've you've mentioned, which to be honest, I slipped me by, is um, Seven Year mm. Bitch. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this band, and I mean, I, all I know is they're from Seattle, but I, I must admit they they passed me by. So tell us a bit about Seven Year Bitch. So Seven Year Bitch um, was a band I kind of found through. Um, I watched the movie with Drew Barrymore in it, and they had a Seven Year Bitch perform in a gig, and I was like who is this amazing band? It's another band I've never heard of. So I was like, okay, I'm going to look it up, do some research. And then this is pre-internet days, but I don't know how I managed to find it. I think I must have gone to the sh- sh- music store and then just found them. But they're, yeah, a band from, a punk rock band from Seattle, an old girl band. They were sort of part of the sort of riot girl group scene. I have it at 45 actually um, in my flat and with John Peel, it was a, it's a 45 with John Peel talking on it. So John Peel, John Peel obviously liked the Seven Year Bitch, so it's yeah. always a good thing if John Peel likes the band. It must be good, right? <laughs> That's true. The Scratch was an, a song. It was his first song that came out from their, I think I've written it down, Viva Zapata album, which came out in 1994. It's an interesting and very sad story of the reason why they, they did that album, because they... They merged, they kind of got together early 90s and then they performed with this other like punk band from Seattle called The Gits. I don't know if you've heard of it, but um, the lead singer um, is a female and her name is Mia Zapata. Um, Seven Year Bitch did their first gig and they performed with The Gits as a support act. And then not long after they performed, um, their guitar player was murdered on the way home when she was in uh, the, the guitar player of Seven Year Bitch was murdered when she was on walking her on the way home. I think her name is Stephanie Sargent. And um, so that, that was obviously quite shocking. And then um, two years later, the lead singer of the Gits was also murdered um, on the way home going, um, you know, from a, from a bar. And that's, uh, and for them, it was just like, it's, you know, shocking really. I mean, it is horrible. So they basically decided to kind of, dedicate the album, the second album, to um, both of their, you know, guitar player as well as the lead singer. Yeah. Um, oh, it's yeah. a sad story, isn't it? And um, you picked a track from the album. Um, this is um, Seven Year Bitch and the Scratch from Viva Zapata. Next up, you've picked a, um, again, this is something that you obviously, when you were over in, 
Indonesia. It's a, a dance track and um, not my genre at all, to be honest. So I'm not even sure if this is Usura or U-S-U-R-A. So tell us about this uh, this track. Yeah, I, it's funny because this is like, it just shows you the kind of path I went. So I was into like grunge and then I went to Bali in 1994. I was 15 and then I was exposed to like, dance music for the first time because I started going out I started going out when I was 14 but like getting drunk with friends in Indonesia there's no rules you know you you can still drink you can drink at the age of 13 12 doesn't matter or smoke no one really cares as long as you pay entry to go to the you know the club or the you know the disco whatever so I started going out at 14 but then at 15 I was I was in uh, Bali and I started going clubbing and I was like listening to these dance music and I was like wow what is this and I just remember Yuzura I say Yuzura but I could be wrong was like the DJ played that a lot and I was like this is mind-blowing you know you know in my kind of 15 year old brain but yeah I love that so this is um Usura and open your mind Were there many bands going to Indonesia and did you get to see anybody over there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the other, um, like one most memorable gig I went to when I was a teenager um, was the Jakarta um, Alternative Festival. And that was in January 1984. And um, that was so the headline, there was three international bands and then three local bands. So the three international bands was Sonic Youth, Foo Fighters and Beastie Boys. I mean, three amazing, like full on at that time, the nineties was like, it was insane. My friend actually told me yesterday that um, we paid like $8 or something equivalent in that time to go and see them. And then that was insane. It was in a car park in um, South Jakarta and it was a day concert. And it was the first time that we were just all out because it was a day concert without, you know, our parents. And I remember it was crazy because there was all these people who are into like, I don't know, these punks, these Indonesian punks just showed up. And then I remember this poor Indonesian artist who was performing before Foo Fighters. His name was Nugi. And he was a pretty good musician. I was, you know, I was like, well, he's good. But then the people were getting really angry. I don't know why, but they were like throwing bottles of piss and nails and I was like, we need to get out of here. And like, they're like, was, we were right in front, but waiting for Foo Fighters to play. And we're like, okay, we need to leave for a bit and then come back when Foo Fighters came on because it got a bit hairy. But, and then when Foo Fighters came on, because it was their first, they, they performed their first studio album, everyone just went nuts. I mean, we had to move back again because the mosh pit was insane. 
And then Beastie Boys, um, Sonic Youth was great, but when Beastie Boys came and they sang Sabotage, it blew, I mean, it was insane because they, they released that song in like later that month, um, the Beastie Boys. And so it was the first, like, first time everyone heard it in Indonesia. And we just went, it was just, we just went crazy. It was such an amazing moment. It's a great song. It's a good choice because it, it sort of um, it goes. It's got a real punky element to it, isn't it? Because I mean, obviously, when they started, they were a punk band initially. That's right. You know? and, That's right. Um, yeah. I think this this for me is one of my favourite tracks as well because it sort of some it captures the the rap side and also it's got that great punk energy as well, hasn't it? You know, and uh, and a fantastic video as well. Well worth mm. checking out. Oh, I know. I love the video. It's great, isn't it? No, it was it was such a killer song. I just yeah blew my mind. So tell us about if you've got like a particular, it's difficult, but in your DJ bag or your case or whatever you call them, what, what's your most prized single? What's, what's uh, one of your most prized records that you have in your collection? Um, that would be uh, Sandy Edmonds, the New Zealand singer um, with Come See Me. It's um, a record I bought from the late Keith um, Marples, you know, Cosmic Keith, as he's um, popularly known amongst our friends. Um, and it's a very dear record for me because obviously um, it's a, one of, I've, I've bought only a few records from Keith. And this is a special one because I remember him telling me about it. And he was like, oh, you know, I just, he's always been very supportive of me and um, with DJing you know, and, um, and I've, I've, I was quite close with him just before he passed, um, this year. Um, we were, we've been friends for a while, but I sort of grew close to him cause I was worried about him. And, um, and we were hanging out a lot and we were drinking, you know, having a, a laugh. And she used to said, Oh, I've got this record that I think you'd really like. And I was like, Oh my God, that's my want list, but I can't afford it. But he's like, look, you can just pay me when you can. So I remember I, cause it's quite an expensive record. So I, paid him like in installments and it's, that's why it's a special record it not only is the most expensive record I own but because it has that memory of Keith uh, and I talking about various things and him recommending it to me so yeah and it's a great great garage record well it, it is a fantastic record isn't it and uh mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it was so sad about Keith. You know, I mean, he was a lovely guy. We used to see him out at gigs and clubs all the time. He was, like I said, he was always supportive. He always asked me out about the blog and everything. And uh, I always proudly wear his uh, great Vampires T-shirt that I got from his wonderful Planet Bop store he was doing. And he was he was a lovely guy. We'd always talk about football and the music. And um, so it's nice of you to, to mention Keith. And um, let's play Sandy Edmonds and come see me. And this is for Keith. So we found out a little bit about you growing up and your early influences as a music fan. So, so what inspired you to actually make that step into performing or being a D, becoming a DJ? You know, what, what was there a, was there something that sort of sparked you off? Well, it's funny because I've always been a massive go. Like I go to loads of gigs and I go to loads of like clubs. You know, sixties um, clubs. I was a massive. I was into swing dancing at one point. So I and but I always went to gigs. So I was like, oh. And I've always lo- appreciated loads of DJs playing really interesting eclectic music. I don't know. I didn't. I, it started. Well, what got me to DJing was my ex, actually, Robert um, from Munich, who organizes the Munich Garage Fest. Um, and I remember it was Christmas, and he was like, "He's always been pushing me to DJ," and I was like, "No, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a dancer. You know, I really appreciate the music." And then he was like, "Come and DJ with me, and it will be love. We'll just get pissed together." And, and it was just, it was fun. And then he, he sort of like, "Oh, this is actually not that hard." Okay, and then. And then that's how I started really in Munich. Um, and then I got the bug essentially. And I just started buying records. And then the, you know, the, the bar, the dive bar um, that we live around the corner from said, you know, the, they were like, oh, we, we should DJ for us because we really enjoy the music that you were playing. And I was like, yeah, cool. And then that just happened. And then now I, it's like the bug of collecting records. It's just mm. an expensive thing to do. But yeah. there you go. Well, I mean, you picked a, a track here that I guess is one of your favourites from, from DJing. 
Irvina and the Stylers, who I understand is from your neck of the woods. In That's Indiana. right. Thank you. You remembered. Um, so Irina is uh, an artist from Surabaya um, in Java. And um, it's a song that I picked. It's called Get Ready. Um, and it's a cover song. And she sings it with a band called the Stylers, which is a Singaporean band. And it's a um, inspired, very much inspired, this, the stylist, by um, the shadows. Um, but the story behind this is the particular person, which I have mentioned earlier in the show, that inspired me to go and do my own night is DJ Honey. And I actually bought this record from DJ Honey. And that's the thing, like, you know, we're talking about influences and how we find music and find other DJs. It's like there's, because when you start talking and discussing the love of music you're just like oh you should check check this out you should check her out you should check this music and I remember um Honey was like I've got this record and I think you'd like her because it's kind of similar you know the style that you like so and I, it's one of my favorite records my favorite 45s at the moment well it's a great cover version so um let's hear it let's see uh, Irvina and the Stylers and get ready Give us another one of your songs from your record case. Um, the Gypsies, It's a Woman's World. I like that record because it's um, a song that I like to play in the Juanita nights because obviously the whole concept of Juanita is about being women, um, female DJs, supporting female DJs in the, um, as well as female artists. So that was, I thought it was a very apt song. Let's hear The Gypsies and It's a Woman's World.
Yeah, it's a great track, and they would become the flirtations later on, you know, the classic Northern Soul track, uh, Nothing mm-hmm. But Heartache. But um, that was their, their first lineup, I suppose you could say, uh, The Gypsies. Uh, you know, I mean, we've talked about your sort of eclectic taste in music, and um, and so how do you discover your records? Are you just sort of, I said, you're being passed them on by friends, other DJs, and I mean, do you? You do sort of hunt records down online or do you go and how, how do you sort of get your record collection built up? Oh, gosh, it comes from everywhere. So I think one of my favorite things to do is going to like a dusty record shop or like, you know, one particular one, one particular memory that I love is how I discovered the Rita Chow Hanky Panky song that you, you'll play in, in a bit. But um, it, there's like a, a mall in Jakarta. It's a basement. And in the basement, there's all these like um, record sellers. But it's not, and it's all kind of like hodgepodge kind of th- place. And everyone's smoking. And I just remember I would go there on my own. And it's like, a not as you, un- it's unusual for them to see a woman asking for records because it's, you know, generally male DJs go and do that. So for, for they're like, oh, you want, and then, and then I ask, I always say, do you have any 45s? Or because in Indonesia, it's called piring hitam, which means literally means black plate. So they piring hitam kecil, which means small black plate. And they're like, really? You want to, why would you want that? And I'm like, oh, I'm just interested. So usually it's a guy with a plastic and he's like, okay, let me find it. And then he'd come in, in a, literally it was in a, in a plastic bag. And this is kind of sad because they don't really care about 45s as much as they care about the LPs. And it would be in this black plastic bag and I literally would take it out of the bag and it would be just covered in dust and muck. And I'm thinking, ooh, treasure, you know, there might be something there. And then, yeah, and that's how I discovered the Rita Chow record, the 45. Yeah. And, um, and some, you know, obviously it's a hit and miss with these kind of things. Sometimes you find, and it's too, it's too you know, old or it's screwed up. So you can't really, it's not a good quality at all. So you can't play it. And then another way of me to find records is Mixcloud again. I follow um, record labels. I follow DJs. Um, one record label that I particularly love is Radio Martico, which is um, a collective and also a label based in Gent in Belgium. I don't know if you've heard of it. They're really good. They're really, really good. And I started listening to them like six years ago. And I was just really loved their collection of like Turkish, Greek, African um, just like Middle Eastern and also like Far East Asia. So it was just like, I was just like, oh, wow, there's so much amazing music from, you know, and it's all around the 60s and yeah. 70s. Yeah. That's great. And um, you picked an interesting track that was re-released on that label um, by the That's Latin right. yeah. called Habibi Twist. And it's a very mm-hmm. Arabic sounding record, but they're actually an Italian band, I think, from yeah, from I know. 63. And it's a bizarre track, but it, it, a good good couple of choices so this sums up your eclectic taste you've got Rita Chow who's was from Singapore I think initially and then and the Latins from Italy so let's have a little little medley of those two tracks
fantastic so we heard Rita Chow and uh, the classic Hanky Panky 1967 mm-hmm. single followed by the Latins and the Habibi Twist which is a great track I love that so we know you've sort of um, traveled overseas to see bands play as a fan and how about DJing have you uh, used your contacts to DJ in other countries any anywhere you've traveled to to DJ so obviously I DJed at Munich um, and I've DJed at the Munich Garage Fest as well that was that was good fun um, I've also DJed weird, well, not weirdly, but it was a dream come true. Like a massive tick on my bucket list was to DJ in Java, um, where, you know, my, obviously my name is Java Jones. And, um, and the reason why I've chosen Java Jones is because I want to represent where I come from. I'm half English, half Indonesian, but for me to actually be invited to DJ in Java was like a dream come true. Mm. And I was invited by this really lovely chap named, um, Iqbal, and he runs Wonder Soul. It's a, also a mod kind of clothing brand, but he also runs the Jakarta Soul scene uh, with his friends, um, Farhan and a few other people. And, um, and we were just chatting because I was so happy to f- discover this like soul scene in Jakarta. And I've been looking for it for so long. And that's the thing with Indonesians. They don't, they, all, they don't really use Facebook. They're all on Instagram and WhatsApp. That's how they communicate. So, you know, for years I was trying to find that like there must be a soul scene in Jakarta or in Indonesia, but they were all hiding in Instagram and there's hundreds of them. Um, and so when she asked me, he's like, oh, we're doing this Wonder Soul weekend, weekender, and would you like to DJ? And I happened to go to Indonesia then to see my dad. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. And, and that was on the beach, and we were DJing. And, I met, and that was also the time that I met DJ Honey for the first time. Okay. And she was also DJing at that weekender. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and is, she from, is she based in Singapore, DJ Honey? Where, where is she? That's right. Yes, she's that's based in Singapore, but she's yeah. Australian English, yeah. yeah. Oh, that sounds um, sounds idyllic. You know, it must have been a great experience for you. And uh, any other countries that you've you've gone down particularly well? I mean, any places you play where you got a, a sort of uh, good following or a particularly receptive audience? So um, Munich, obviously, because I DJ, I started DJing there, and I was DJ at the Munich Garage Fest. Um, I picked the Cramps because it's um, it's a lot of everyone in well, a lot of my friends in Munich love the Cramps. 
you know, they that's like the god of, you know, garage and 60s music. And so I play, picked the, um, this particular cramp um, song because whenever we put it on, my, you know, ex or my friend, I don't actually have the 45, I'd love to. It's quite expensive. And um, everyone just goes nuts. Anytime we play the cramps, everyone just goes nuts. So... I, that particular song, Human Fly, was it's it's a fa- massive favorite. So it just always reminds me of my friends in Munich. Yeah. Um, you know, when every time I hear it. But they can't go wrong with the Cramps. So um, let's yeah. hear the Cramps and their debut single from 96 eyes, I got a garbage brain that's driving me insane, and I don't like a ride, so push that mess to the side, and baby, I won't care, cause baby, I don't scare, cause I'm a reborn maggot using gym warfare, rock memorable gigs that you've played as, as a DJ? I've only been DJing in, in Indonesia and Munich and London but <laughs> I um, there's um, I also go-go dance uh, which is a bit of fun thing to do with you know because um, I get to da- I love dancing and I I, um, I was invited to go-go dance at Vespa Twist last year which is in um, Solothurn in Switzerland um, and I remember Le Grigri and Les Kitchenettes actually were playing and I was go-go dancing on stage with them. So that was like, I love Le Grigri. I think they're a brilliant band and obviously Les Kitchenettes as well. But uh, to, to be able to dance on stage when they were playing was just like, it was mind-blowing. It was great. It was good fun. And I also DJed for Wild Evil and The Staggers, which is, again, another band that I've, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed because they're really fun on stage. So it was really nice to be able to um, share the night with them. I, I was DJing in the club when they were performing. So let's hear a little couple of tracks here. So we've got Le Grigri and Gone By Dawn from their self-titled album, uh, followed by um, the incredible Staggers and Go Go Gorilla. <laughs> Yeah. 
Oh, sorry. It must have been fun dancing on stage with like Kitchenettes. They're one of my favourite bands. In fact, I did. I put on their first um, UK show. Um, oh, really? Back at one of my Retroman blog nights at the Half Moon, and they, you know, they they went down so well. In fact, I put I've done them twice at the Half Moon Putney because they're such a fantastic live band, and uh, they are. They're really yeah. lovely too. Oh, oh, all of them, super nice people. people. I've also seen pictures of you dancing on stage with Amel and the Sniffers. Is it? Is this a professional? Or is it just... <laughs> oh my God, I love that band. She's <laughs> such an amazing front woman, don't you think? She's oh, so yeah. fucking brilliant. Yeah. I yeah, that was a crazy uh, random thing to do because I've always I've always wanted to stage dive, but I'm scared of breaking my neck. <laughs> and I don't know what got over me that night when because I've seen them like I don't know three four times now. I love them. I, that's my one of my favorite favorite band. Um, I mean, I'm not a loser. Is such a fucking great song. <laughs> I wasn't even that drunk. And then I remember her because she's always, that's why I love, I love her because she said, all right, I just want all the girls right in front. And that never happens at a gig. So she's always conscious. She wants the women to go and, you know, be at the front because it's always men generally. So I was like, right, I'm doing this. And then before you know it, there was all these girls jumping off the stage. And I was like, 
I'm going to try this. And then I just kind of, I didn't even know what I was thinking. I just went on stage and then just stage dive and it was the most amazing feeling ever. So yeah, I don't know if I would be game enough to do it again, but yeah, that was, a, uh, yeah, that was crazy and fun. So I think I was going to sort of ask, I generally ask people how they're getting on with the lockdown and um, mainly with bands and it's fine, they're finding it more difficult because obviously there's no touring and getting together to rehearse. But I, I suppose being a DJ, it makes it a little bit easier because I know you've been busy. Um, mm. You've been doing live streams and uh, obviously a radio show and uh, on Mixcloud. Um, and I, I do like your... You did some live shows on, on Twitch when you had like uh, some fantastic special effects where you had the little action men dance, the action men, the dance troupe, not the actual doll action men. You, you had them little dancing on your turntable. That was great fun, you know, and um, did you enjoy doing the live streams? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I have to give credit to my boyfriend, Damon. Um, he lit- is the instigator for that because I, I feel, and this is why I've only started DJing, you know, I haven't been DJing for a long time and I, I feel quite uncomfortable being live, you know, on, on stage or like, um, you know, being filmed and stuff because I, I'm more of a, like, I just love dancing. I'm more like the, you know, background person. So he was like, you should do a live stream, you know, thing. And I'm like, I don't know. It's like, no, but it'll be good to promote Juanita. And, that, and that's the thing I want to promote Juanita. Cause that for me, that's the most important thing to do. So he, is in IT and he got, you know, it was like a project for him. And then it was his idea to do go-go dancing because he did one as a, as a joke. And I, I loved it so much. And then he's like, why don't we just do it? Just put like, and I still, we can dance on top of the, you know, turntable. So I said, oh, I can ask some of my male friends. Cause usually when you go to gigs, it's always the female go-go dancer. So it's like, why don't, cause Juanita is all about empowering women. I'm going to get, you know, the male, my friends, my male friends to go and do some go-go dancing. I don't think they do it in real life, though. So it's all a bit of fun. But, um, yeah. <laughs> well, they would do, wouldn't they? I mean, you know, like Steve, oh, Steve Todd and the Action Men, you know. they. I love the Action Men, No yeah. excuse for them not to get on stage and, and dance, you know. And uh... That would be a dream come true, actually. If I run Juanita after the pandemic ends and run Juanita night, I would love to have them perform and do their little routine yeah. on stage. So um, let's sort of um, pick a couple of tracks here that you've chosen. Um, one of them, Le Grand Melon, which mm-hmm. when I saw it at first, I thought, Le Grand Melon, is it like the French yeah, yeah band, the Big Melon or something? But it's, this is Le Grand Melon, who is actually an American singer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you've chosen a great track. This is a great version. And uh, tell us about this one, a great cover. Yeah, I mean... I um it's a cover it's a great cover indeed and I I actually heard it from another DJ who played it at her set and I was like I love this I I need to get a copy of this record and I have I you know I keep playing it every because it's again one of my favorite 45s so it I always play this in the, when I do the live stream Juanita live stream because it always reminds me of my you know of Damon my boyfriend um, dancing on the at the turntables. <laughs>
And the other song I picked is a, a French cover by Elaine. Um, I'm not even going to butcher the, uh, the pronunciation, but it's an anti-Sinatra. These boots are made from walking cover. And I love, I'm a massive fan of cover songs, especially from the 60s. Um, and this is a particularly excellent cover of the Nancy Sinatra song. Yeah, it's a great version, isn't it? You know, and um, she did this apparently, she, again, she's American and actually went over to Paris. Uh, I think her dad was big. A big that's right machine, yeah. you know music industry big wig and uh, obviously my helped on away there over in paris and um she's recorded this and apparently she's done a, a version in english version in in german in german in that's right and yeah it's a great version of these boots are made for walking in french and, and here it is yeah. and, uh, i'm not going to say it either you can <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine you can imagine the pronunciation i leave i would leave the french people to say it <laughs> Tu n'as pas d'autre vieux Je sais parfaitement que tu mens Tout le monde sait que tu me trompes souvent Alors méfie-toi, je t'avertis maintenant Ces bottes sont faites pour marcher Et tu vas le regretter Car je mettrai ces bottes un jour ou l'autre pour te quitter Yeah Tu mens tellement que c'est plus fort que toi Et tu ne sais jamais où est la vérité Comme tous les enfants être un homme Mais toi dans ma vie tu ne m'as rien donné Ces bottes sont faites pour marcher et tu vas le regretter Car je mettrai ces bottes un jour ou l'autre pour te quitter 
Well, that's been great fun chatting, DJ Jawa Jones. Thank you very much indeed. It's uh, it's been mm-hmm. great to trawl through your record collection and your musical memories. I say thanks for listening, everybody. You can um, what I do. I put a feature on the blog when I publish the podcast with all the links to all the relevant current bands that are out there, and obviously all of DJ Jawa's uh, Juanita Music site and the Mono Monoloco. Uh, mixtape site as well on Mixcloud we'll put all the links up there and uh, where you can subscribe and keep up to date on all of um, what she's been doing and uh, it's been fascinating chatting to you thanks very much indeed and to play us out this is a tough one but um, I asked you to pick one song that you know you, this will, will I suppose sum, sum you up as a, as a DJ you know sum up the essence of DJ Jawa Jones so I picked um, Nothing to Lose by Girls School which is um, the longest running all-female band from UK and I I love the lyrics of this song because it talks about like nothing you know you've got nothing to lose and um, everything to gain and it's just inspiring for me because don't be afraid really to just go for it and that's why I um, I'm you know I'm I'm by no means uh, perfect no one is really but like just have fun and that's the whole point about music and about enjoying music playing music dancing to music it's just just have fun and if you want to go and be a DJ or run a night just go for it that's what I'm saying so nothing to lose fantastic sentiment and a fantastic track to end on and um, thanks very much again and uh, all the best thank you Steve